Hello, and welcome back to Full Cup Professionals, a podcast for social service providers, caregivers, and really anyone who works with people. I'm one of your hosts, Krista Mayfield. And I'm your other host, Faith Larson. And today we're really diving in to looking ahead at the new year. We're going to look back at 2023. We're going to think about reframing the way that we think about going into the new year. And we are really going to just kind of share some of our own personal experiences with reframing how we journey into the new year. Faith, as a trauma therapist and a certified motivational interviewing trainer, is going to share with us some of her best tips for rethinking how we do New Year's resolutions and why the way we do them doesn't always work. We're going to share our own personal stories. And this episode, we laugh, we cry. It really is a journey with us. So you're going to get to know your hosts really well this episode, but we had a blast making this and we hope you enjoy listening. And we hope that this helps you as you are thinking about what's to come in 2024. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. And we are back with a special New Year's episode because it is just about that time. Faith, how are you? I am so good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Feeling great. Yeah, I'm feeling really good too. I had a new experience today. I did something for the first time at my group practice that I work at. We had our Christmas party today and we did a sound bath exercise. And it was so cool. I loved it. So I'm feeling like really relaxed and centered and grounded. It was really cool. Have you ever done a sound bath? No, I really would love to. The closest thing I ever got, one of my yoga instructors used to bring tools in and one of them was like a sound bowl. Yes. And I loved it. Yes. So the practice owner, she brought somebody in and she had like seven different sound bowls and they were all different colors. And each bowl like went with like one of your chakras. And then she also brought essential oils, which, you know, like I love. And so Mm -hmm. each essential oil went with a chakra as well. And it was like the same color as the bowl. And so I was just like, this is everything. (laughs) Wait, I (laughs) love that. This is everything. And I just like loved it so much. (laughs) But it actually felt really, really relaxing and centering. And there was some times where it was like you could feel the like sound waves like coursing through your body. It was really cool. So I'm feeling very relaxed and happy to be here tonight. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. How was your day? How was my day? It was good. It was a beautiful day. It was a pretty day today. So I got outside, worked at a coffee shop and got some sunshine. That was really lovely. And then went to the gym after work like I do every day. But today was yoga class. Yes. And that was great, except that yesterday was leg day. And oh my (laughs) gosh, those uh, chairs, I was like, I'm about to die if you make me do one more of these. It was a great class. We had a lot of fun. That sounds nice. I miss doing yoga. Like I do yoga at my house now. I didn't stop going to Spanga. It closed. But ever since I stopped doing that, I haven't done like a corporate yoga class. And I just like miss that so much. Yeah. It's so nice to just like And I just realized I work out every day, but there's something about being in a yoga class and doing a yoga flow that just really does something different for my brain. And I can't seem to like center my mind as well when I do anything else. And so I've made yoga part of my movement practice. Part of your workout lineup. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is for my brain and my heart. And it's just good for my soul. Yeah. Like today we were doing like the deep belly breathing, like during the sound bath. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like, oh yeah. At the very end when you're breathing and you're like grounding yourself, like in the mat of yoga, it just, it felt like that. That's awesome. So I guess we should dive into the top. (laughs) We could go on and on and on about this. So Let's jump in because I'm really excited about what we're going to be walking us through today because you've got something really awesome for us. Yes. We're doing like a New Year's themed episode where we're going to like reflect on this year, 
talk about the new year and I think it's just going to be really fun. So I'm excited. Let's go for it. So before we do that, what are you going to be drinking later tonight? I'm just going to have some tea. I've been really upping my herbs lately, so I'll probably do some chamomile and ginger. That sounds nice. Yeah, both are like really soothing for um, the gut, but also chamomile helps with relaxation and sleep. So that'll be my evening tea. Yeah, that sounds nice. That sounds very relaxing. What about you? Well, tonight I am debuting my Full Cup Professionals coffee cup. We got more swag. Oh, look at her. Isn't she beautiful? So cool. She's beautiful. She's got our logo on it. And I'm actually drinking coffee tonight. I'm going to be up late. It's going to be one of those late nights. I'm going to wrap some presents tonight after we hop off. You know, like when you're a parent, you got to wrap the presents at night. I got to move the elf later. Mm -hmm. So this is like my day part two. I'm getting my day part two started right now, so I'm drinking some coffee. Well, I hope it's a jolly evening. Me too, me too. All right, lead us in, Faith. All right, so before we jump into like reflecting on our year and all these things, we're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions and why they are so hard to like follow through on and to stick with and just kind of figure out what's going on with these New Year's resolutions. So on MarianWebster.com from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it said that a New Year's resolution is a promise to do something differently in the new year. So that's pretty straightforward. But what was so funny is that it went on to talk about how the word resolution derives from the Latin word resolve. And so I think we kind of all know like what resolve mean. Someone who's very unmovable is kind of like the word that I think about, you know, like, oh, this person, like no matter what their obstacles are, like they're unmovable. That's kind of how I think about resolve. And so what's funny is that talking about how the word resolution actually derives from the word resolve. And it says to resolve means to make up your mind about something or to come to a conclusion about something. So it's like a finite type of concept. Funny enough, Webster Dictionary states that New Year's resolutions are not good examples of someone having resolve or being resolute because only about one in 10 New Year's resolutions actually stick. And that was actually in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, that is so funny because... When I started writing this episode, I was like, we knew this. We knew that it was hard to keep your New Year's resolutions, but I didn't actually expect it to be in the dictionary definition (laughs) of like, don't take a New Year's resolution as a example of what resolve means. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, there we go. This is why we need to have this episode. That's hilarious. Yeah. So before we dive into the new way and the new concept of thinking about approaching the new year that I want to walk us through tonight, I thought we would start with maybe like some funny antidotes about some New Year's resolution fails that we've had in the past. Okay. I like that. Are you uh, willing to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. So this is like the... New Year's resolution of failures of all failures. And like my husband still laughs at me today for this. But (laughs) as you know, I've had like a very long love-hate relationship and struggle with Diet Coke. And so for many, many years, my New Year's resolution would always be like, oh, this is the year I'm going to give up Diet Coke. And then like it wouldn't happen. This is the year I'm going to give up Diet Coke. So this was one of those years. I can't remember what year it was, but it was one of those years. This was pre before I had kids. So a long time ago. And New Year's Eve, I'm like, I'm giving up Diet Coke. Mark my words. My husband's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, this is the year. So then New Year's Day, (laughs) the very next day, we go see a movie at like Star Cinema Grill, which is Alamo Draft House. You can like eat and drink, but you have to like write your order down, right? And so it's like dark in there and nobody knows what you're ordering. And so I was like, nobody will know that I am ordering a Diet Coke. Like I can do this so secretly and like nobody will know. So I'm like ordering my Diet Coke. Oh, this is the best plan ever. (laughs) (laughs) 
then, even though we're in the middle of a movie, the waiter comes up and is like, Diet Coke? And I like sets it like right on the table in front of me. And my husband just looked at me like he gave me like the like most shocked look <laughs> ever. And I was just like, Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> it hadn't even been 24 hours. I was still drinking <laughs> Diet Coke. And he still laughs at me for that today. So that's my biggest New Year's resolution fail. So I'm one of the statistics that they're talking about in the dictionary. (laughs) I just can't get over you like (laughs) gleefully writing that. (laughs) I really thought it was a good plan. Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that's so relatable because I think we know that something is not good for us. We have a better intention, but it's so hard. Yeah. Cause it's serving a purpose. It was doing something for you and you wanted it. And here was this moment that, yeah, it was like a crime of opportunity. Oh God. I love that. <laughs> crime of opportunity. <laughs> and I got caught. <laughs> the look on my husband's face. I never <laughs> want to see that look again. It Aww. was like shock. Are you serious? And really it's new year's day. And he actually was like, you thought this plan was work? I was like, oh, I thought this was a great plan. I just had in my mind, like, oh, every time I want to drink a Diet Coke, I'll just come to this movie theater (laughs) and just, like, drink it in the dark. (laughs) Not even, like, when I'm by myself or, like, when I'm in the car alone. (laughs) Oh, that probably would have been more secretive. (laughs) I just love that. Oh, thank you for sharing. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So that is my biggest... New Year's resolution to fail. A couple years ago, I stopped even trying to give up Diet Coke. But what's interesting is now that I've stopped giving up drinking Diet Coke, I actually drink less Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. At one point I came like, okay, I guess if I drink one Diet Coke a day, it's really not that bad. And like the grand scheme of things, there could be way worse things of vices that I have. And so I know when I do my motivational interviewing training, I talk about Diet Coke and how like when I was in school... I took an addiction class, and so we had to give something up for the class, and we had to, like, write a letter to it. I had to do, like, a whole research paper on it. And so I've, like, written a letter to Diet Coke, like, breaking up with it and telling it, like, why we had to break up. And then I did a whole 20-page research paper on Diet Coke about, like, why it's bad for you and, like, how aspartame is addicting and why it's addicting and all the negative side effects of aspartame. And that didn't stick. Like as soon as the class was over, I found myself drinking Diet Coke again. And so I just kind of came to this conclusion of like, well, this is just one of the vices that I have. And so I'm just going to like accept it and love myself anyways. I'm going to stop being like ashamed that I drink Diet Coke. But yeah, now I am like down to drinking like little 10 ounce mini Diet Cokes. And I find myself like I'll open one and maybe eat it with dinner. One of the things I found out in that class was that I really like to drink Diet Coke when I eat. Like sometimes water doesn't taste good or if you're at a restaurant, like I don't always like restaurants water. And so like that was one of the things that I correlated. And so sometimes like at dinner or lunch, I'll still have a Diet Coke, but I'll find myself opening up a 10 ounce can and not finishing it. And so that's really interesting. Like since I've just allowed myself to have it whenever I want in a more limited fashion of like, okay, I can have one a day, but that can look however I want it to look. I actually don't crave them anymore as much. That's so fascinating. Yes. Very interesting. That shame piece is yes. is so big. Yes. And like now that we're talking about shame, what's so interesting is like trying to like drink it in the dark in a hidden mm-hmm. way, like that's shame. And instead of just being yeah. like, oh, I give up on my resolution, you know, like, oh, I was just joking last time. I'm actually going to keep drinking Diet Coke. The fact that I was like, oh, this would be a great scenario. <laughs> how I could hide this like shameful part of myself. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, we should do a whole episode on shame. Yes, we should. Yes. So you've heard mine. We got a good laugh out of it. (laughs) What is your biggest New Year's resolution fail? You know, I think, and now that I'm like putting this together, I'm kind of like rolling my eyes at myself. I'm a one on the Enneagram. I'm a perfectionist and I want to avoid failure at all costs. So, you know, a great way to avoid failure don't try. (laughs) So 
So I think I have always known that New Year's resolutions don't stick. So I've never really made them. Mm. For me, my New Year's practice is to come up with just to get a word for the year and yes, think about like a value to lean into. But there was recently a time where I had made some pretty significant goals for myself. And I don't remember the full list. It was before I turned 30 and I had a list of things I wanted to do. And I remember on my 29th birthday, I was like, okay, you have a year, you can do this. Like, it's funny to me because I'm just not a very like goal oriented person in that sense. And so I don't know why I thought that like, I was suddenly going to have magic wind beneath my wings, (laughs) but I think I did some of them. It helps. I don't remember what they were, but the one that I definitely did not do and one that I've said I was going to do for a really long time is learn French. I studied French in college and high school and loved it. And I have just been telling myself for years, you're going to learn French, you're going to learn French. And so when I turned 29, I was like, okay, 30 is around the corner, locked and loaded. You're going to do this. You're going to get your Duolingo. You're going to get some like children's books. You're just going to dive in. I mean, I had it like playing into my day. And literally last year would have been the perfect season of my life to learn a language. I had plenty of time. Yeah. Did I do it? No, not even a little bit. Had you like had any lessons in French prior to that? Like any background in French? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I studied in high school and college. Okay. So you had some foundation of French. You weren't just like cold turkey. I'm gonna learn French in a year. No, no, no. And I have like, there's Instagram accounts I follow. There's podcasts for learning French. So I like had my resources in place. I had my little duckies in a row, kind of like you with the Diet Coke. When it comes to me saying I'm going to do things, they're great ideas. I know that I want the end result. Yes. I want to go to France and go to Belgium and talk my way through while elegantly. But when it comes to like sitting down my little Duolingo app or listening to that podcast instead of whatever else would be more entertaining. So I don't know what it is about things like that in my life, but I've seen that pattern. And I can really resonate with that feeling of shame because it's so frustrating to be like, I told myself and I told other people and I wanted it and I could have done it and I had the time and the resources and I didn't use it? Why didn't I use it? And I haven't really sat down and really, really asked myself beyond the like shameful and accusing, why didn't I do this to really figure out, okay, what's the block here? Because yeah, it's so stupid and it feels like I should be able to just do it. It's not that hard. Just sit down five, 10, 15 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be three hours. Yeah. All of these things I've told myself. I mean, I think learning a new language is like actually really hard, especially at an older age. You're supposed to apparently, per the research, learn all the languages you're going to learn by like five or six or seven. Like that's the best time to learn a language. So at 29, that's a pretty big undertaking to be like, oh, I'm going to be fluent by the end of this year. For sure. But I think for me, it's just like you didn't even put in the work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like learning a language is hard, but sitting down for 10 minutes a day and going through a little French lesson is so doable. Yeah. And so to look back and go, why didn't you just do it? I'm wondering if you were thinking about the outcome, like the outcome is I have to be fluent in this language instead of being value driven of like, oh, I want to enrich my French languageness. That's not a word, but. There we go. It is now. It is now, yeah. So like if you had been more value-driven instead of outcome-driven, that maybe it would have had a different result. And that's actually what we're going to talk about tonight is kind of how to flip the way that we think about approaching the new year from these outcome-driven resolutions to being more value-oriented and kind of, like you said, putting a word or a phrase on what would we like our year to encompass? And that's more value-driven and can be a little bit more open-ended and not so much outcome and shame-driven. So this has been something that I have been doing with my clients for a couple of years. Like every time around the New Year's season, we do this concept and it's been really powerful. And so what we're going to do tonight, it's a motivational interviewing concept. One of the things that I love about motivational interviewing is that it's a 
therapeutic modality. It has a framework, client-centered framework of like how to be with clients. And then it also gives you like some very tangible skills about how to help your clients come to their own conclusions about change. And the tangible skills are skills that you have to like learn and practice and hone, but they are so, 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 so fruitful and they're so effective. I learned motivational interviewing. That was one of the very first modalities that I learned very early on in my career. You know, I wasn't even in social work or anything at the time. And it really springboarded me into my path to become a therapist. And even though I'm now trained in EMDR and inner child work and attachment work and much more intensive work, I still fall back on my motivation of interviewing skills every day. I kind of see motivational interviewing as the like thread that holds all my other understandings of therapeutic work together. And like motivational interviewing is my foundation. And it's such a great foundation to have because it gives you such tangible, effective skills. And so the skill that we're going to do today is called looking back, looking ahead. And so it's very easy, but it's very powerful. So what we want to do is we want to look back on a certain period of time. And since we're talking about new year, we're going to say, hey, let's look back on this past year. So let's look back on 2023. We're each going to take turns looking back on our year, our personal year and our professional year. And then we're going to look ahead for the upcoming year and just kind of discuss some value-driven things that we would like to see our year be. So is that something that you're willing to dive in with me tonight? Yes. Although I can already tell (laughs) I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) Hey, that's okay. That is totally, totally fine. So let's dive in. Looking back over your past year, this is 2023, Give me a word or a phrase that really summarizes or encompasses your year. And it can be personally and professionally. They can be the same. They could be different. But distinguish for us which one is which, if they are different. I'm going to have to sit with that for a second. Yeah. Another thing of motivational interviewing is that silence is okay. So sit with that question and we'll take a minute. I think I'm going to say confidence. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I was really kind of torn between grief mm. because this year has been full of a lot of grief and just wrestling through a lot of disappointment. And through that, I've learned a lot. But I realized that I think confidence even has been underpinning all of that portion of my year as well, because I've, in the grief, learned that I survive and Mm, I grow and there's beauty all around, even in the midst of loss. And so I can feel loss keenly and not lose sight of other good things around me. And that's just made me really confident in myself and in my ability to keep going and not give up. But yeah, I would say that I have gained so much confidence this year. I've overcome a lot of fear and I have become so confident in who I am and what I have to offer. And I came into 2023 with just a lot of fear, fear that I've carried with me my whole life, but I really made some deep strides in overcoming that. And yeah, I have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I mean, 2023 was your first like full year in business, right? Yes. Yeah. And so like, that is amazing that after your first full year of business, that the word you have is confidence. Like, I don't think very many business owners can say that. (laughs) I know I can't say that at the end of my first year of business. And so, yeah, I think that's really great. And that's really empowering too. And I love that you actually took a minute and thought about it. And like, didn't rush to say something just to fill the time or just to fill the space. Like, I want to make sure I pick the right word. And that's really a part of the process as well is to say, hey, if you're struggling between two words, 
take a minute. And then also, if you're struggling between two words, let's talk about both of them. Why could it be this? Why could it be this? And I love that it was both. Like it was grief. Like there's grief there too. But I think the grief helped me gain the confidence. And so in some way that grief became meaningful and springboarding me into that confidence. And so I'm going to go with confidence because that's the word that encompasses the whole year. And grief was a part of that too. But I don't want to say that my whole year was grief. Yeah. So I think that's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. It sounds like that was both personal and professional. There was grief and confidence in both, or was that more professional? That was more personal. I think it definitely ties into professional for sure. Starting a business and having a goal in mind and having some ideas and then really struggling. Yeah, there's definitely grief there. And there was grief in my transition out of my previous role and then grief about what it meant to be a solopreneur. (laughs) Oh, that's a good word. Solopreneur. I've never heard that. I like it. Oh, yes. That's a term for those of us that are out here on our own. But yeah, definitely this past year has been a year where my personal and professional life have been really almost the same. You know, Mm. that hasn't been the case always in the past and isn't moving forward necessarily. But in this last year, it really was as I was starting this business. So yeah, but definitely personally confidence. Yeah. And it's actually really beautiful to get to land on that word and realize how true that rings. Yeah. So I'm going to be like super therapisty and be like, where do you feel that confidence in your body? Like, where is that confidence registering with you right now? That's kind of interesting. I feel it in, in my chest, but I, I do feel it in my core and then in my head as well. And I don't normally feel things in my head. Yeah. Can you put a sensation on it? Are the sensations in your chest and your core and your head different? Or are they all the same? Put a sensation word on it for me. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. I think they are different. In my core, it feels very solid and rooted. Mm. And in my chest, if I had to describe it, it would feel like light. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And kind of maybe light in my head too. Kind of just like an energy or vibration or a yeah. <laughs> sound and real, okay. no. real funky. No, that sounds like exactly what it should be. There's no right or wrong answer with the sensations, but it is really interesting to take a minute and to think about them. And what you're talking about in your gut took me back to the sound bath I had earlier today. Because one of the chakras is your gut. It was the yellow. The yellow was the gut. The yellow essential oil and the yellow bowl. But she said, like, that's your power source. And so, like, the fact that you said, like, I feel very rooted and grounded in my gut, it's like, yeah, because that's your power source. The fact that you feel lighter above your gut, like, that makes sense, too. So, isn't that so interesting? That is so interesting. It reminds me of when I was in ballet. I had a teacher who would always say, this is your power center. This is your yes. power center. And she'd like point her abs and we're all like, <laughs> we're like 10 years old on point. <laughs> Just trying to flex our abs super hard. <laughs> oh man. Don't you wish like when we were that young, we could have understood it the way that we understand it now? A hundred percent. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like that would have been so much more powerful if it was like, oh, I know what you mean by this is my power center. Like 10, you're like, what does that mean? And why do I care? Yes, right. Literally. (laughs) We're just having all sorts of fun tonight. And that's really like what I love about working with clients one-on-one. This is what a therapy session can be like. You can have a really powerful moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this is interesting that I'm getting in touch with my body. I'm connecting to my body and my sensations and I'm integrating like my thoughts and my emotions and my body sensations. And then the next minute you can be like laughing. Mm, Yeah. I'm glad that we're on this together tonight. Me too. Thanks. Yeah, and that you're being open. Can I ask you, if you were to look back on the last year, how would you summarize it? Yes, you can. And I already have an answer, but that's only because I wrote the episode. And so this has been on my mind. (laughs) I've been thinking about it all week. So what's interesting is that I also was going to say grief. Mm -hmm. And I would say mostly my personal life there was a lot of grief this year. The grief clouded a lot of things that happened this year. And 
I lost two family members. I've attended more funerals this year than I have probably my whole life. Hmm. And so that has just been really interesting. You know, I'm like middle-aged and so it's getting up there. I'm almost, I'm closer to 40 than I'm not. And so, you know, that's just had a really interesting perspective. It's been giving me a different perspective than maybe I've had before. But I had a similar experience where that grief really like empowered me to do something. So what I would say is the word that I'm going to land with, more of a phrase, is getting out of my comfort zone. And I did both of those things in my personal life and my professional life. I did so many things that moved me outside of my comfort zone. If I were to get really honest with myself, I would say that that derived from the grief that I felt of like, hey, life is not forever. And my aunt was one of the loved ones I lost this year. And she was very young. She died of you know, after a really hard battle with cancer and she was very, very young. And one of the things that she said as she was transitioning was, I worked my life away. And I just really remember thinking, I don't want that to be me. Also, I remember thinking like, the memories I have of you are not work-related. But that's what she was thinking about, you know, as she was transitioning out of this life that she wished she hadn't worked so much. And I just really remember thinking like, gosh, I have to have that mean something for me. And so in my personal life, we took more vacations than we took this year than we've ever taken. And, you know, like we just said yes to every opportunity. If someone was like, hey, you want to go here with us? We were like, yes, we'll go. Or if we were like, hey, let do you feel like doing this? We we're like, yes, let's do it. We just really made the most of the time that we had together as a family. And then me and my husband, we really stepped out of our comfort zone in a bunch of different areas in in our marriage and our family. And those have been really fruitful. And in my professional life, this was also my first full year of business. And I got out of my comfort zone in so many different ways. Learning business, learning how to like do QuickBooks and manage, you know, all of that. And just really, you know, I built a website and I just remember thinking like being so frustrated with myself of having a hard time building a website. And then I had to remind myself, like, I'm a social worker. I am not a software engineer. I'm not supposed to know how to build a website. And so that's okay. And then I was able to build a website. I actually built two websites because my first one was really bad. And I got it. <laughs> I bought it. My first domain name was really bad too. And so I bought a new domain name and built a different website. So, yeah. And so, like, I just really did a lot of things this year that I just never really ever thought I would do. This podcast is something that has been way out of my comfort zone, but like, I have loved it. It's just really been one of those things where there was a lot of grief and there was so much loss, but there was also so much things that I was able to embrace because I was willing to get out of my comfort zone. Working out was another thing. I mentioned Spanga earlier. A lot of people don't know what Spanga is, but it's this amazing workout program where you do 20 minutes of biking, 20 minutes of high interval training, and then 20 minutes of yoga at the end. and I just like fell in love with it. And then like literally one day they emailed us at like 11 p.m. And we're like, hey, we're closing tomorrow. And I was devastated. Like, no, I just found this workout program. Like I just got back into working out. And it was also very around the time that my aunt was in her final days as well. And so it was just like, that felt so devastating to me. And so I spent a lot of months just being like, well, I guess my time is not working out anymore. You know, like, I guess that chapter of school just took me so long to find a program that I love post-college and post all of these institutions that I used to work out in. And then slowly but surely, I was like, maybe I'll get back out there. I'm not sure. And I had a friend repeatedly bug me, like, come with me, come with me, come with me. And I was like, no, I'm still grieving <laughs> my old chip. <laughs> And I really had to move through the whole grief process and then be like, okay, you know, I guess I'll be open to something new. And I started this new gym and I love it. But I got out of my comfort zone twice this year of going to that class and then starting this new class. 
And it was funny. My friend, she had taken me and I had gone about two months, but like we would ride with each other. And so she went on vacation one week and I was like, this will be the telling week about whether I go by myself or not. (laughs) If I go by myself, then that means like I'm actually committed to it. But if like I skip because she's on vacation, then I'm just going because I like to go with my friend. And I did. I went, I got up and I went while she was on vacation. And so I was like, okay, this is something that I'm into. And so that has really invigorated me too. And I've actually made a lot of friends there and got out of my comfort zone in that area too. So I would say getting out of my comfort zone is personally and professionally the kicker, but there's been a lot of grief there as well. Yeah. And that gave you the perspective that you needed to realize that yes, what was beyond your comfort zone was worth the discomfort of pushing through. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you for reflecting that back to me in such a beautiful way. It's your journey. It's that's how beautiful it is. That's really incredible. Yeah. This episode of the Full Cup Professionals podcast is sponsored by our podcast editor, Mikey Like Music. Mike is a musician and a sound engineer and does all of our podcast editing. He handles all the background work for podcasters so they can focus on the creative talks, the scripts, the chats. If you want great sounding and professionally produced podcasting, you can contact him at mikeelek.music at gmail.com. That's M-I-K-E-J-I-L-E-K dot music at gmail.com. Mike has been a joy to work with. When we started our podcast, Dreaming, I was totally prepared to take on the editing role. I was like, I know nothing about it, but I will learn. I will figure it out. And yeah, to be honest, that is just so overwhelming to me. And if that was on my plate, I actually don't know if we would have published our first episode. I don't know if we would have gotten past that hurdle. I contacted Mike on Fiverr to record our intro and outro music. So all of the music and the sound effects that you hear on this podcast were written and produced and recorded and edited, all of that great stuff by Mike. And then I was like, hey man, I don't want to edit my podcasts. So every week, Mike takes our raw audio and our oops and sound issues and all the crazy stuff, and he takes that out and makes it sound great. When we've had audio issues or mic issues, he's jumped on the call with us. We've sent him pictures of our setup and he's given suggestions. He's been so hands-on, so involved, and so committed to the growth and the quality of our show. And we have just absolutely loved working with him. He offers full production services, recording, editing, and publishing. So whatever you need to get your podcast or your creative audio project off the ground, Mike can absolutely handle. Again, you can find him at mikeyelek.music at gmail.com. And you can also find him on Fiverr like I did. Just look up Mike Yelek. If you look up podcast music, intro, outro music, or podcast production, you should see his name pop up. He has been great to work with, and we are so thankful for his services. You can find his website and his Fiverr account in our show notes. So please check him out and let him know that we sent you because we want him to know that he's awesome. Thanks, Mike, for all that you do. And yeah, let's get back to the episode. All right. So we've looked back. Yes. What's the next step? Looking ahead. So now that we've looked back, now we're going to look ahead. So now we're going to look ahead to 2024 and say, what would we like 2024 to encompass? When next year at Christmas, when we're looking back again, or at the new year going into 2025, what do we hope that the year had meant? And so this is where where we really want to use those like value-driven words or phrases and try to sidestep those outcome-driven words or phrases. And so if you're listening at home and you're trying to be like, what are value-driven words? I'm going to talk about Brene Brown again because she's just like the best. If you Google Brene Brown values, I can't remember what book it is, but it's one of the many amazing books that she has written. She has a whole list of value words 
that you can pick from. And if there's not on there, it gives you an idea of what a value type of word is. Then there's, she leaves some lines as well as write in your own value if it's not on the page. So, but Krista, give us your definition of a value-driven word or phrase. I think to me, values are those aspects of life. But yeah, to me, they're ways of being in the world. Normally I thrive there. And tonight I'm like, no, I don't know. But yeah, I think values are how we want things to be. There yes. we go. I think to me, it's how do we want the world to be or how do I want to be in the world? Yes. And they are really important to me as I'm creating anything, whether I'm writing a curriculum or building a team or building a business. The question I, in life I'm always asking is like, yeah, but how are we going to be when we get there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that values exploration is another change talk strategy within motivational interviewing. And so I talk about this when I teach motivational interviewing as well. But first of all, let me step back. I did not make up motivational interviewing. Bill Miller and Stephen Rolnick, they're the founders of motivational interviewing. I actually got to meet Bill Miller last year when I went to the Mint conference in Chicago. And that was a really cool experience. Like he just sat down at my table, like next to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting next to Bill Miller. And I actually got to have like a really awesome conversation with him. But anyway, so I just wanted to put that out there. I can train other people in motivational interviewing. I'm an international network called Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. It's an international association of trainers from across the globe. So I teach people about motivational interviewing And when I teach it, we talk about values versus outcomes. And in the motivational interviewing world, the way that they conceptualize it is that values is about the journey and outcomes is about the goal. And so if you come to one of my trainings or if you've ever been in one of my trainings, I show this video about a family that has like two kids and they're going to Disneyland And one kid is like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Have we made it to Disneyland? And the other kid is like, oh, look at this journey. Look at these trees and look at this. Now we're in a different state. And so one kid is really enjoying the car ride journey to Disneyland. And so they're being present and and enjoying the journey while the other child is frustrated because all he cares about is when are we actually getting to Disneyland? Because Disneyland is my outcome, is my goal. And so that's the way that I look at it. So when we're thinking about these value-driven words or phrases that we want our year to be like, we're really talking about how do we want the journey to be of our next year? And like you said, what do we want to be like when we get there? When we have arrived, how do we want to have it impacted us? Yeah, I love that. You know, that was something as I was thinking about my business and thinking about the organization that I used to work with, that idea of we have all of these big goals, we have these dreams, and we have a mission, but who are we going to be when we arrive? And if we don't tend to that now, and it's not that we don't have intentions to think about those or to hold on to those values, but I think especially when we are chasing after an outcome, if we don't have ourself anchored in a value and in who and how we want to be then I think there's a lot of risk of getting lost or sidetracked along the way. And we can't control outcomes. Yeah, We can only control who and how we're going to be in a moment. And so I think that's why values are so encouraging to me and why I think I tend to draw towards them. Yeah. And that's why using value-driven words and phrases to think about your new year instead of resolutions, which are going to be goal or outcome-driven really helps empower you to make it sustainable throughout the whole year. Like you said, you can come back and be anchored in that value, no matter if I accidentally drank Diet Coke or not accidentally drank Diet Coke, or, oh gosh, I didn't sit down and do my lesson tonight. But if my value is learning, that looks much different than whether I completed tasks to get to something. Yeah. So, okay. I think we have a clear concept of what we're doing. So Krista, looking ahead to 2024, personally and professionally, what are some values that you would like to take with you to the year and to kind of keep you empowered and sustained throughout the year to be 
who and what you want to be when the year ends next year? There's a lot in this coming year that I want to see shift for myself. I've actually done Brene Brown's values exercise, which for those of you listening, it's a full page. There's, I don't know what, Faith, a hundred words on this oh, list. at least, yeah. And then you have to choose your top like three to five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you look at all these words of like great things that you want to be and you want to do, and you have to pick five of them. And it's like, wait, I want to pick kind, but also humor and like... <laughs> It was hard, but I nailed mine down and mine are dignity, integrity, honesty, and truth, which are two separate on the list, but I combined them because to me- Okay. They go hand in hand. Yeah. To me, honesty is acknowledging the truth. So I want the truth and I value truth. And then I also want to be someone who acknowledges it and owns it. Mm. Well-being. So I picked four and then because I couldn't only pick four, I, I did a bonus one and my bonus one is adventure. Oh, good. But so I'm looking at the top two, dignity and integrity. Yeah, there's a lot about myself that I've realized like, hey, it's going to take some intentionality and some discipline and holding myself to a higher standard Mm. to be the things I want to be and do the things that I want to do. There's a lot that I've been doing that's totally fine and not bad and not wrong, but it's not helping me get where I want to go. And I know that I'm capable of more than I have been doing. And it's up to me to hold myself to that standard. Yeah. Looking ahead to this next year, I think it's a little bit daunting to think, okay, what is it going to take to pursue those things and to make space? And what's been crowding in your life that needs to come out? And that's like a really daunting, you know, it's like looking at a really cluttered room and you're like, but I like my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) something's got to go. But these two words, dignity and integrity, when I chose the word dignity, it's because honoring people's dignity is really important to me to treat people as unique and special and worthy. And I think people have an inherent dignity. Yeah, It means a lot to me to acknowledge that. And I think sometimes there are ways that I will excuse myself or make excuses for myself. That's not really honoring my own dignity and it's not really living with integrity. But I think to be integrous to who I know that I am, I think those two things. And so, yeah, the idea of holding myself to a really high standard has been a theme that I've been considering over the next year. Mm. But that phrase to me still feels very outcome tied. I agree. So the question of like, okay, well, the how is I think seeing myself as as a person with dignity and seeing that dignity for what it is and walking with integrity to live that dignity Mm. out. Yeah. I like that. And so it's not necessarily a, like you can't watch TV or you can't scroll Instagram or you can't whatever, but it's like, Hey, there's something here and you owe it to yourself to live in alignment with what you know to be true. And that's going to mean making choices. It sounds like that word alignment is really kind of what summarizes everything you said. Like you want to live in alignment with the values of dignity and integrity. And that may look a bunch of different ways on a bunch of different days. And that's okay that on Monday it looks one way and on Friday it looks a different way, but you're going to strive to be living in alignment of these values that you have decided for yourself and for your business as well, personally and professionally. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I also like what was coming up for me as you were talking was like, oh, you're talking about the golden rule, like treat people how you want to be treated. If in order for people to treat me with dignity and in order for me to hold people to the standard of, hey, I deserve to be treated with dignity, I also have to put inherent dignity and worth out into the world as well. So yeah, that that's really beautiful. So where do you feel that draw for alignment to your values, where do you feel that in your body? That's definitely in my chest. Okay. And put a sensation word on that. It feels like a bullseye on a target. There's like something very like concentrated. I wouldn't say it's like hard, but there's like this very concentrated feeling of, oh, it's like right there. Like I can almost point to it. Okay. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so how can you use the confidence that you grew this year to help kind of springboard you into this alignment of this value that you can clearly see on this target? How can you kind of let it springboard you and then let the alignment with dignity and integrity keep yourself sustained throughout the year? You know, as you said that, I realized, or the thought came to me, that I think one of the reasons why I sometimes freeze up when it comes to doing the things I know I should be doing to be the person I know I can be is the fear that I won't actually be that person or that I will Mm. fail or that I don't have it in me. Yeah, to see the confidence and all the ways that I have changed how I thought about myself and how I viewed myself. And then I've seen that mirrored back to me and how people treat me and realize like, oh, I believed I was all these bad, sad things. And I kind of projected that out into the world. And then people reflected it back to me. People got vibes. And then I felt like they were affirming what I already thought about myself. And so when I began to take ownership of how I saw myself and what I thought about myself, and then I saw people treat me differently and I I had better relationships, I had more experience, it like things just shifted so drastically. And so I've seen like I can be what I want to be. And I just believed I was all these other things. But now that I've started differently, I can see that I've overcome so much of myself, basically. I've overcome so much of my own shame and fear. Yeah, I was going to say not overcoming yourself, but overcoming the obstacles that you've had to being your true self. Yes. And so when I project that into the next year, I'm like, oh, wow, all these places where I have believed that I couldn't do something or that I was afraid of what would happen if I did or that it wasn't going to be good or I would never make it. I've seen how if I just change the way I think and believe about myself, that changes how other people receive me and Mm -hmm. I can do it. And I've knocked down so many walls in this last year. What other walls can I knock down? And that's actually like a really good feeling. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And, you know, fear has been kind of a theme of things that you have brought up over the past couple podcasts that we've been talking And something that I say a lot, I guess one of my catchphrases to my clients is that like fear is our friend and people are like, what? Fear's not my friend. It's like, yeah, fear is actually your friend. Fear is trying to tell you, hey, there's potential danger or hey, be cautious. But fear is not supposed to be telling you like, don't do this. Fear is a protective emotion that we have. It's a good thing. Like if we didn't have fear, the world would be way more chaotic than it is now. And that would be really, really bad. And so fear is actually our friend. And so a lot of times when I'm talking with clients, I'm like, hey, how can we come alongside fear and befriend our fear and notice that our fear is here to love and protect us and to help guide us into coming into our full self in a safe way instead of going, oh, fear is bad and fear says I shouldn't do this. And like you said, letting it make us freeze up. So I just wanted to share that with you, that it sounds like throughout the past year, you have been befriending your fear and realizing, oh, it's not this big, scary monster underneath my bed. It's just this thing that's here to send me messages about, oh, hey, there could be all these potential things that are hard. But now I'm noticing, oh, I can do hard things. And so I don't have to let that fear make me freeze. Yeah. Yeah. I have therapy tomorrow and she's going to love you. You've done all the work. I'm going to be like, well, I saw Faith. We did a podcast, so I'm good. Oh, that's funny. Oh my gosh, I love it. And for those listening, because you've asked me where I feel things in my body and I've named sensations and kind of said things. When I started therapy three years ago and my therapist did this with me, I thought she was nuts. Oh, yeah. People look at me crazy all the time. Like, what do you mean? Where do I feel that in my body? And I mean, literally for the first several months, I was just like, I don't know, lady. <laughs> and I wasn't like I was making stuff up, but it was just like, it felt like I was making it mm-hmm. up, you know? But practicing that and getting asked that, I mean, I did therapy every week for about a year. So getting asked that every week mm-hmm. <laughs> for a year... I started to feel it and pay attention and go, oh my gosh, when I stop and think about it, 
yeah, I can feel. Mm. And it's not like, you know, concrete. Yeah. But it is there. And if I can put words to it, for those listening who might be like, that feels weird. I could never do that. Just know that you can. Yes, that was a journey for me. But learning that, oh, those things that I feel or those words that I think about, they actually have a physical, a physiological component. Mm -hmm. And I can tap into that and use that just like I use language and just like I use my expressions. This is another way I can move through my process and my life experience. Yeah. And our body sensations are really another warning system that we have. You know, like a lot of times people will be on the opposite spectrum Well, they know what it feels like, but they don't have language to put towards it. So they can tell you like, when this happens, my body does this. Then we're trying to work back to like, okay, well, what emotion goes with those body sensations? But yeah, it's all part of the wonderful mechanism that is our mind and our body and our emotions that all three are interrelated. I'm glad that you specified that. And another reason why I say put a sensation word on it is because a lot of times when you ask people, hey, what's happening in your body? They'll tell you what they think. They'll say, oh, that's, and they'll tell you a story. And so I've had to get, no, 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 no. I don't want a story. I don't want you to go back up into your head. I want you to stay in your body. So I need you to think about a sensation word. And so that will kind of make people shift into, oh, what does this feel like in my body? And so that's why I ask it like that. Yeah. I love it. Well, Faith, what about you looking ahead to next year? Yes. Okay. Looking ahead to 2024. I am going to go, I'm going to have the same word for my personal and my professional life, but they're going to mean very different things, but they're going to be the same word is growth. So in my professional life and my business, I really want to, obviously I want to like grow my business, but I actually really want to like grow in my understanding and my practice of things. And so I've joined some consultation groups that I'm going to be starting in the new year. And I'm just really excited about like just taking what I already know and kind of going deeper. And I just can't wait to see how that helps me grow professionally, grow with working with my clients and trickles down to helping my business grow as well. And then in my personal life, I'm going to go with growth as well. You know, like I said earlier, we, me and my husband did some things that We're out of our comfort zone this year, things we had been sitting on the fence about for years and years and years. And we had kind of thought like, oh, we'll probably just sit on this fence in these areas of our life for a while. And we hopped right on off that fence this year in several different ways. And so I'm not quite sure exactly what that will look like, if that will be like actual growth or if it will just be like emotional growth or maybe a little bit of both. But yeah, I'm just really excited to grow in the areas that we kind of have already started and to grow with my husband in those areas. So yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm excited to see what that looks like for you. Yeah, me too. I actually have no idea what it will actually tangibly look like, (laughs) but I'm excited to see what that does look like. Yeah. Well, that's part of this new way of doing New Year's resolutions that we're not going to look at outcomes or results. We're just going to focus on who we're being and how we're being and keep being that person day in, day out. Yeah. So that is the whole concept. So what we really want to invite everyone listening to do is instead of making an outcome-driven resolution, reframe the way that you're looking at going into this new year and see if you can maybe walk yourself through this exercise or get with a friend and walk yourself through this exercise. Dig deep and think about looking back at your year. What was a word or a phrase that could really summarize and encompass your year? And then looking forward to the year, what is a word or a phrase? It was really going to highlight a value that you want to take with you into the year. And how can what has happened this year springboard you and sustain you? into the next year as well. Thanks for being on this journey with us and listening to our really deep... My live therapy (laughs) session. Our really deep conversation about this. Yeah, yeah. And happy 
New yes, Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Happy 2024. Yes. Man, this last year was a doozy. Yes. And we're just so excited to just like continue to be with you guys in 2024. We are going to have some super cool things. We're going to have a lot more interviews. That was the word I was looking for. And just some really cool topics. And, you know, we've just really also been thinking about other ways that we could like draw people in for community around this podcast. And so we're just like really, really excited to go into this podcast season with all of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We really would love to hear from you. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions and your ideas. And so you can email us at hello at fullcupprofessionals.com. Yes. And tell us what we could be doing differently. Tell us your ideas. Tell us what you've learned, how this has been helpful for you. But we really want to connect with you. So email us hello at fullcupprofessionals.com. I'm Krista. I am on Instagram at good underscore sustained or my website, goodsustained.com. And Faith, where can people find you? My website is holistichope.net. And on Instagram, I'm holistic underscore hope underscore. Awesome. So we love you guys. We bless you. We bless this new year and we will see you next year. Yeah, we'll see you in 2024. (laughs) 